Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Wechter, the tech editor of The Irish and The Sunny Independent. Today I have Donald O'Donovan, the business editor of The Irish Independent in studio. I have seen Avengers Endgame. I'm not going to give you a spoiler, except to say that Sauron and Frodo reunite in a teary scene toward the end. Um, it is actually very good, so go and see it. However, you really want to be a Marvel super fan to really think it's unbelievably amazing. I'm a casual Marvel fan. I enjoyed it. I think it's about the same as the first Avengers movie. It's better than the subsequent Avengers movies. I don't think it's the best Marvel movie, and I'll probably be lynched for saying that. Um, Donal, National Broadband Plan. Um, I, we talk about this an awful lot. I, today, I'm going to go back to first principles. And I'm going to ask a couple of questions, whether or not it is worth it to Ireland as an economy and society uh, to have a plan to invest in rural broadband. A, is rural broadband generally important? And B, if so, is a state subsidy justifiable? Do you have a view on that? Yeah, I think first principles probably are out the window a long time ago when you when you, when you you start thinking about a project like this or a problem like this. Mm. And it's probably better to think of it as a problem than a project. Uh, the problem is the underprovision of infrastructure in you know big swathes of rural Ireland. So just Physically infrastructure, lo- you mean infrastructure in Let's general? T- but what is infrastructure? Let's talk. What 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 do you mean? So, you mean so I mean electricity, the, uh, roads, no, 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 water. No, no. In 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 this case, I mean the the key part of a piece of yeah. infrastructure that's missing is broadband. Is very that's what I'm asking. Is it a key part of infrastructure? Because it we is. T- see, we talk about broadband an awful lot. But often we're not talking on the same terms. There is not a common understanding among many of us about what we're talking about. And let me just put my cards on the table and define what I understand when we're talking about rural broadband. I do associate broadband as being a critical piece of national infrastructure. By critical piece, I mean the state by and large has some kind of role to significantly encourage it or provide it or to make sure that where at all possible, citizens have access to it. That's that's my view. I regard it as critical. Not everybody shares that view. There is definitely a view there that broadband is something that is good to have, but you can live without it. Um, it's something that if you really want it that badly, you should live in a city or a large town, and that it's not really the state's business. I think if you there's decide, also a view... If you decide to live in a bungalow... I think there's also a view in, in some quarters that it's, it's kind of about entertainment or sort of connectivity as a luxury. Yeah, definitely. Um, which I think... And, and, I, and I think that's... Binging that, on Netflix. That, I think that's why that, that, that view is... It's important to say that that view is false. Mm. Broadband 
fast broadband is going to be very important to keep parts of rural Ireland, to keep all of Ireland. So you, the, the requirement for fast broadband in rural Ireland is essentially the same as the requirement for fast broadband in urban Ireland. It needs mm. to be there for commercial reasons. People are going to need that in order to operate businesses in any way competitively into the future. People yeah. are also going to need it, I think, into the future in order to be able to to, to avail of medicines, of, of medical treatments, mm-hmm. of, of diagnostic treatments on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be just the norm. And I think if we were to allow parts of the country essentially to wither on the vine to not be participating in in, in, in that sort of infrastructure, then people would be medically um, mm. uh, at a disadvantage. I don't think you can do. I think there's also a view in particularly in parts of of, of Dublin and, and maybe some are, are other urban centres that rural Ireland wants to have its cake and eat it. So people live in scattered communities and they shouldn't. Yeah. And therefore... Um, subsidising uh, the rollout of, of infrastructure to those rewarding communities is rewarding bad yeah. behaviour. Not that's not not so much there. bad planning, but but but, but bad behaviour. Yeah. And it, I think that's just there may be an argument, and there's mm. a good argument around planning and and mm. and and uh, and where people build houses into the future. But you can't punish people who have built houses legitimately where they are. It's a very it's a, a brilliant point actually. I, I read an article in the Times Ireland by Owen O'Malley uh, the other day. It was actually. It was quite thoughtful toward the end of the article. He went through some of the reasons why it's not really justifiable to uh, subsidise broadband to rural areas. But the the main point of his article, I felt, was an interesting, debatable one toward the end. And his point was that if you roll it out to small towns and villages, as opposed to guaranteeing it to every premises, every ribbon rural premises, that it would encourage in future more sustainable uh, village development in rural areas, which overall he argues would be better for the country for rural areas, and that's I, true. I, I think, think that's, that's a good. Defensible, that's, a, that's a defensible argument. It's the most intelligent point I've I've heard in defence of that argument. Except before. that really that 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 is a planning issue. Yes. So uh, yeah. Encouraging people to build in 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 you know and sustainable communities is a planning issue. It's not a rural broadband right. issue, and, and it also, and and where I think that you could take issue with that view is it also ignores the hundreds of thousands of properties which, like it or not, we have inherited and they're there, and people and families and business people and everything live in those premises. So including to, farms that are, are farms. necessarily commercial enterprises oh, yeah. that are scattered across which, the country. Which is so. a very important industry to, to Ireland. And it's, and it's not just about industry. It is actually about society uh, as well here. Um, but at least I thought it was an intelligent take on it. But if we d- agree then that broadband is, let's call it a vital piece of, infra- of infrastructure, the debate then moves on to whether the state has a role in subsidizing it, doesn't it? Yeah. And so what, and this is where a lot of, this is the second stage of, of the, the core issue in my view. I, I tend to believe that there is a justification for the state to subsidize rural broadband in the same way as there would be to other pieces of a vital infrastructure. Uh, around the country. I don't think everybody agrees with that, though, and there are some fair arguments against it. What's your thinking around that? I suppose, I mean, there are are a couple of very purist uh, angles you could take. One would Mm. be that it's up to uh, the commercial sector to provide mm. at a commercial ba- uh, uh, on a commercial basis vital infrastructure though? infrastructure yeah th- now that's an argument you can take yeah. and argue from first principles and uh, and hope that 
somehow the costs come down to the point where commercial providers can provide it ultimately. Mm. Um, so uh, maybe from a regulatory a point of view, encourage it that way. Somehow, yeah. yeah. Um, then there's an argument for national provision by a, a, a national agency, which historically mm. is what we would have done here. So yeah, we, historically the yeah. ESB, a version of the ESB or of Telecom Aaron would have done this and, and nobody would have thought all that much about it. And, and that's, that's gone 40 years. And that's so that some been of the, the alternative proposals that have been put forward by critics of the National Broadband Plan have kind of gone down that line. Fianna Fáil's Timmy Dooley at one point um, was in favour of a state agency or a semi-state agency, someone like the ESB or Irvia, Irish Water, he was suggesting as well, might take it upon themselves as a state agency to to, to be tasked with doing that kind of along the, the lines of um, what they uh, did before. Maybe that might work, I suppose. F to, to my mind, though, and we'll come to this in a second in terms of cost. I think the reason you can't do that now is because we, we, we already have a patchwork of broadband provision. Yeah. So you can't set up a, or you could. It's much it messier. Be, it would be much messier to set up a Because a if new you actually look at the map that the Department of Communication puts out, it's divided into blue and amber and there's you know one area that has good broadband another area has poor broadband but if you look at the intersection of it there, there, there are no clean lines it's really spotty and patchy and when you talk to um, engineers or people in the department of communications or people in rival telecoms firms they tell you it's really difficult to go in and you know pick this premise and that premises and this road and half of this road and there's an exchange here but then half a kilometer all these houses aren't connected it's not a clean thing so it'll be very difficult for I mean, however much we complain about big telecoms companies and utility companies and you know uh, how difficult it is to deal with them and getting things hooked up if you're dealing with a state agency on that it could be really really messy and really annoying um and, then and historically, straight state agencies have been very bureaucratic and very, very bureaucratic. Yeah. And then there's the issue of cost. I mean, and this is, moves on to the next point. So let's take it that we agree that rural broadband is a crit is critical infrastructure. And let's say, for our sake of argument, that we agree that there is a justification for subsidizing it. Now we're into the uh, issue of how much do we think it's worth subsidizing? Now, um, the figure of three billion euro over 25 years is starting to be accepted because the Taoiseach has referred to it. My understanding is that the upfront cost will be nothing close to that and never has been. Uh, and that that 3 billion will be over 25 years and it may not be as much as 3 billion. It, by the way, there's a chance it could be a little bit more, but um, that it would be divided into uh, a certain amount upfront and then just many more over 10, 20 years. But how much do we think it's worth uh, uh, providing this infrastructure? And is there, are, are we basically worried that we're being held over a barrel on it? That's my uh, perception of the fear that we I have. I think there's rightly process. a fear in the, in, the, in the country that the government, not just the cabinet, but, mm. but sort of the, the, the engine of government, the, the ability to deliver large-scale infrastructure projects on any sort of is budget is very, very poor. Yeah, yeah. And the management of budgets over long-term periods is very, very poor. And the the extraction or the insistence on value for money, we yeah. have got a very bad track record. We do. Uh, that's my read on an awful lot of the uh, commentary and the opposition to the National Broadband Plan is not necessarily opposed to the idea of it itself. There was a Red Sea poll done a couple of weeks ago and... 
62% of people, almost equally in urban and rural areas, were in favour of uh, state-subsidised rural broadband. The problem that people have is that one exactly. I think they, they're not sure that the government is really capable of not being screwed on it, either A, in terms of competency, in terms of actually rolling the thing out properly, and B, then in terms of cost. That and nothing about the process today has, has really... Uh, done anything to assuage those fears I think you know mm. it's a very messy tendering process it's a very um, kind of freewheeling mm. uh, situation at the moment where the date just keeps being pushed back the yeah. contract the, the bidders kept falling away it was there wasn't real clarity around yeah um, what, why that was happening and, and what the criteria was and it's not and, and public-private partnerships inevitably I think um, people are right to be wary of public-private partnerships because state money goes ultimately to to into the private into private mm. hands, and uh, and taxpayers should always be worried when that happens. Mm. When when especially that you know the potential for there to be a blank check signed. Mm. So whatever. So that there are a couple of things I think going on. One is, well, do we need um, broadband across the country nationwide? I think we do. I think, but I, I think that's an argument that that people who support that have to make because. Mm. There are people who will say, well, you can't run it up every laneway in the country. I think the, the counter-argument yep. is, if you don't, then those laneways are going to empty. Um, mm. And uh, we have a very quickly rising population in Ireland. Mm. We have a big problem on the East Coast. Too many people live in, in uh, are, are, are concentrated and work in too small of an area. That's causing all kinds of problems around housing, around uh, creaking infrastructure, mm. water infrastructure. The parts hospitals. of the hosp and hospitals. My wife and was in the hospital this morning, and it was in in the matter, and uh, it was. She said it was absolutely jammed. I mean, she wasn't complaining about it, but but I think that's more of a thing of rising population. I don't think that's necessarily because the matter is doing anything wrong. Well, it's partly an inability to to, to manage uh, a large scale infrastructure. So we know yeah. we've known for a long time that we needed more hospitals in Dublin yeah. and national hospitals in Dublin. We just haven't we just haven't, we haven't built them properly. Our. The water where I live is is poor and the pressure is poor and it doesn't work particularly well. We the know, water thing is unbelievable. We know that there's a massive I mean, I, um, amount of Oh my of, of God, I go down to the West spending. quite a lot and I stop in um, a place called Strokestown in uh, Roscommon on the way there and for years and years and years, there were, you couldn't drink the water. It was boil water notices. It's in Strokestown House. It's probably the area's biggest tourist facility, and you couldn't drink the water there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. Broadband is not the only um, yeah. infrastructure uh, deficit that we have in the country. And and and, and we, we do have to learn how mm. to spend large amounts of money over long periods of time mm. without being taken for a ride. Yeah. Uh, and we also need to be able to, to be confident that we can make long-term decisions on the basis that we're going to get value for money. And there is, I think, rightly, a lack of confidence around that at the moment. Yeah, I, I have a nuanced view on the uh, issue of cost here because I've been reporting on this for years and I've looked at an awful lot of the alternative systems to the one that's being proposed, the National Broadband Plan, just as a reminder of what essentially is being proposed here is that the only remaining bidder, uh, which is Granahan McCourt, run by David McCourt, is, according to what the state says it wants, it would build and roll out fiber, fixed fiber, into almost every home, like 95, 90% of all the rural homes, the 500,000 rural homes. And that would go via either a telephone pole. In some cases, it might even go via the ESB's infrastructure. But it would be a fixed line, like your telephone line or your ESB connection, right into your home. Now, I know from looking at this from a technological point of view, I do know that that is the best and the fastest and the most reliable over the next 10, 20 years. There's, there's no question about that. There's no serious telecoms or technical argument 
that would debate that issue. Um, and there's also no reason why we don't make a rule now that, from a planning perspective, if that is what we're going to mm -hmm. do, that, that if you want broadband in the future, you have to build where the broadband exists. So That's a fair point. If, if you want... To, to go beyond yeah. the network in future, yeah. then on your own head be it. I think that you know that's a reasonable argument to make. Yeah, that, that's a very fair point. But the issue as to alternatives and cost, one of the questions that I have been asking over the last year or so is, if it's not this system, if it's not a fixed fiber uh, to the premises, then what? what? What are we talking about? And there are some rival suggestions. So the original National Broadband Plan, 500 million euro, was that you'd run it out to 1,100 villages and you'd sort of let the local entrepreneurs take over from there. So maybe if a wireless provider wants to run it out to somebody's uh, uh, house you know, with a, a dish on their their roof, then, then they could do that. The problem with that is that doesn't guarantee it to everybody's home. There will be lots of homes that won't get it because there are trees and mountains and all kinds of stuff uh, in the way. Um, then there is the state option. So maybe the ESB or Irish Water. The issue with that is I think they would actually cost more because then now you're into a variety of state contracts, you're into state managing them. Um, and generally speaking, state entities are slightly less efficient, not always, but usually when it comes to those kind of infrastructure products when they're rolling them out by themselves. Um, and the third one then is wireless. And people make a reasonable argument. Look, I live in a rural area. You know, uh, we aren't waiting for the state to give us broadband, but there's a guy in town and he put up a mast and we have little aerials on our roofs and we get broadband and I can do uh, my uh, word processing, I can do my email, I can even watch a bit of Netflix. Why can't we just have a lot of that rolled uh, out around the country? I mean, I was in an island called Aaron Moore off the coast of Donegal uh, a week ago and they have a version of that, uh, a, a good quality version of that. The problem with that is and I know I'm on a monologue at the moment. There is a question coming here, Donald. Um, the problem with that is that over 20 to 25 years to every home in the country, that would be at least as expensive as rolling out fixed fiber that would cost three billion. I think the other issue with that years. is that it doesn't really future-proof against the kind of heavy usage that we know Absolutely. we're going to see coming down the line. Absolutely. So, uh, it, it, it's just Absolutely about okay not. for now. Yeah. yeah, That's not going to do you in 10 or, or, or 20 years' time. It's just and, and we haven't even talked about trying to convince local communities that they're going to have to have hundreds more masts put up in their village next to schools, you know, uh, in the countryside. Try, good luck getting that past the, local, the locals. I've debated on the radio and elsewhere against TDs who on the one hand were complaining that the mobile signal was dreadful, on the other hand were leading a protest to stop a mask being put up. Yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, with wireless uh, access anyway, you need fibre anyway to connect to those masks so that those masks can, you know, start to use the jargon, can backhaul the connectivity back to, you know, to, to the main network. So it's a very, when you actually start to dig down into it, I have some sympathy for the officials in the Department of Communications who have chosen the fixed fiber route as the best option because from a technical perspective, there's actually no arguing with it. It is easily the best option. I suspect the arguments we're all having are more political ones over the cost, whether the government is competent to doing it, um, and the fact that it's down to one bidder and the fact that AIR and CSIRO, which is Vodafone the ESB, that they walked away. My take on them walking away, by the way, was that they just didn't want to be involved in a 
project of this, this size and this commitment. Um, I've seen the argument put forward that it should have been made easier and better for air. Uh, air will do what's in air's own corporate interests that we've seen in the last. And week. in fairness to air, they are rolling out, uh, you know, yeah. wh- wh- increasingly, you know, where they see it as commercially viable. Mm. This product, mm. the same product, um, absolutely. So, uh, and, and listen, we do have to give that to air. Um, air got a lot of flack a couple of years ago when they carved off three hundred thousand of the initial eight hundred and fifty thousand rural homes. Air came in and said, no, look, we will do 300,000 themselves. No subsidy. We'll just do them as a commercial thing. And they got a lot of criticism because there was the most profitable bunch of the 850,000, all that sort of stuff. I think there was a, there was a, a suspicion, suspicion at the time that it was a stroke that it made the rest mm. of it unviable for anyone but Air. But Air. But actually, in, in, in the heel of the hunt, Air didn't uh, bid for the rest no, of them. No, they, so they, they, they walked away. So, uh, but to be fair, what I was going to give them credit for was at least they have all, they've almost connected every one of those 300,000 by now. So to be fair, two years ago, they didn't have broadband. Now, those 300,000 rural homes outside towns and villages now have fiber lines. That's 1,000 megabits coming mm-hmm. into their home. That is a huge difference to those families. I mean, there's no question. It's a huge difference. Um, I don't know if we've that much more to, um, to cover on this. I do wonder if uh, it looks like it's going to happen now. Yep. So all the political signals coming out, um, our own paper, we've been covering this, the Irish Times has been covering this, Pat Leahy, to be fair, um, their political car, uh, editor has uh, a couple of times um, published stories, fairly well-sourced political stories, been f- fairly accurate. Our own Kevin Doyle has has done the same. Um, but it does look like there is a political consensus uh, that this will go ahead now. Uh, I think politically it would be impossible not to do this. Do I mean, you? It has to be said. Yeah, and rural Ireland would be right to be in revolt if this didn't happen mm. because th- the reality is this infrastructure is necessary if mm. communities are going to participate economically and socially mm. and and in terms of health and, uh, and leisure into the future on a, a reasonably equal footing with the rest of the country. Rural communities are already disadvantaged by the nature of where they are in lots of ways. There are lots of advantages to live in, in, in rural mm-hmm. Ireland as well. But in, in, in many ways, they're sort of peripheral by definition. Um, and, and I think they would rightly punish any government that didn't, uh, that, that took a view that infrastructure mm-hmm. wasn't important on a national basis. In I mean, the same way, I think that uh, Dublin voters would be up in arms if uh, the 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 government decided that you know the provision of buses or water yeah. in, in Dublin or Cork wasn't important. Yeah. Uh, or or uh, uh, you know other s- subsidised infrastructure. Electricity is a subsidised infrastructure mm. in Dublin, but it doesn't need to be in Dublin. In, originally in Dublin, electricity was was uh, introduced by private operators. It was rural electrification that the state had to get involved in. Mm. That took that took the from 1928 until the 1980s to roll that out in a national. And, and also let us not forget, at the time, there were a lot of eyebrows raised about the, the requirement for electricity in rural areas. There's a particular clipping from a newspaper in the late 50s that I sometimes tweet to remind people, but the, it's a headline in maybe the Independent or the Press at the time saying uh, that uh, you know only 38% of people in rural Ireland you know, believe that electricity is required, or it was something like that. Um, and this, a lot of the same arguments. Were I do. Being I'm made. old enough to remember uh, relatives who let the, the the power pass their house. Yeah. So you know, th- there was a requirement that if the power, if power was going to come to a, a rural townland, every yeah. townland had to take it. Mm. 
um, for it to be viable. Yeah. Uh, and there was then a conversation in those townlands, you know, well, are we going to take it? Are we all going to take it? And if one house or two houses didn't, mm. it, they wouldn't They wouldn't necessarily roll up. They might roll up to, to the next townland instead. I would relatively didn't want it in her house, but really? she agreed to have a light in the yard so that, so that her neighbours could get it. Wow. Um, that's not that long ago. Do you remember why she didn't want it? She didn't want strangers in the house, I'd say, as much as anything okay. else. But uh, but she was just very conservative. She, yeah. you know, she, she had a way of doing things. She had fine. a way of doing things. She didn't necessarily think that you know, yeah. change was was was, was going to. You know, oh, listen, more power to her. I mean, less power to her because you know, life is much easier with electricity. You know, yeah, yeah, your life yeah. is much easier. Life is much easier. Is going to be much easier with with fast broadband. You're going to be able to do your taxes. Your kids are going to be able to do their homework. You're going to be able to watch programs that you want to watch on TV that your yeah. friends are talking about. In future, you're going to be able to have your health monitoring and 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 your security and all that sort of stuff mm. that that people want in order to be able to participate in the 21st. I century. mean, I was going to say, uh, just finish on an up note. Uh, if and when this thing is built, it, to be fair, it will be amazing for like all of those uh, people who live in those areas who now have the same kind of broadband as you get in, in kind of top tier in cities it will be amazing to, to be living in the arse end of nowhere and be able to do anything you want to be able to work in any way you want using broadband um, and I, I do suspect that in years to come uh, once all the bitching and the political sniping and everything is over if this actually does work that in 10 20 years people will be think this is one of the best things we ever did um, and hopefully it will pay for itself many times over but at the same time it, it is important we don't write blank checks so mm. whatever contract is awarded i think it needs to be a contract a that the government can can walk away from if it's seen to fail mm -hmm. oh yeah um, and not and not have their hands tied. Well, the government claims that that is the case mm -hmm. that, that the department officials do claim that there are all sorts of clawbacks and the way they're building the contract and they also claim that one of the reasons that uh, Air and Vodafone, the ESP, walked away was because the government was being so hard in terms of being able to walk away and being uh, and all the clawbacks. Because um, nobody wants another children's hospital situation where no. you know the the sort of the the, the the costs that have already gone into it are mm. so high, and the time is so, mm. so so far down the line that that you have to plow ahead regardless of whether it's a good idea or not. You know, yeah. I think with any sort of infrastructure long-term infrastructure uh, investment like this. A, the government needs to be walk away, be able to walk away if mm. it's seen to fail. Um, and and B, they need to manage the cost on an ongoing basis and they need to be mm. transparent about that um, and, and be able to say, well, this is how much we've spent, this is how much we're spending on a, you know, on a six-monthly or a quarterly basis or something like that. Because there is rightly a suspicion oh. that governments get bad money for infrastructure Absolutely. and that has dogged this project. The National, and the National Children's Hospital has been absolute bane for this national broadband plan process because... It, or it's been a good thing because it concentrates minds, so... Well, you know. that's true. That's very true. It means that they'll be extra careful in terms of... Uh, but my understanding about how they've gone about the contract and the contract itself is that it's hundreds of pages and that the difference between the National Broadband Plan and the National Children's Hospital is that with the hospital, they started building and then the costs started to ex escalate. Yes. Whereas with this, I think the understanding with this broadband plan, the understanding is the contract is being nailed down with every T crossed and every I dotted so that costs can't 
that that just can't happen. But then again, we don't have full transparency yet of the contract. So yeah, that's, we haven't seen it's that only contract, an understanding. So, we, yeah, so yeah. we've got to take it at face value. Donald Donovan, business editor of the Irish Independent, thank you very much for spending time with us today uh, talking about the National Broadband Plan. Uh, that's all we have time for. Folks, a little bit shorter than usual. We'll be back with a longer podcast next week. I'm Adrian Weckler, the tech editor of the Irish and Sunday Independent. Bye-bye. Thank you.